The reason why I showed that clip is because we know Shrek to be uh, someone who was filled with shame, with embarrassment, and he lived a life of words spoken over him and to him about how hideous he is, people would run away from him, and so he shut himself in the swamp to keep the world away, but not truly at peace, not truly happy. And as we watch this clip and we hear Shrek say pretty much that the world deems him unlovable, today we're actually going to look at this message in us, the times that we have had words spoken to us, over us, to ourselves, um, that have been words that have kept us captive, words that have deemed us unlovable, deemed us to be filled with shame, embarrassment, and hiding our true selves away because of it. Within all of us, there is a chaos of the deep. The chaos of the deep with shame, disgrace, dishonor, things that brew beneath, words said to us, experiences we've had that have shaped who we are, but not in a good way. The result can be like Shrek. We want to keep the world away because the world hasn't been good to us and we're protecting ourselves from it because we, when we look inside ourselves too, we don't always like what we see there. It's not always what donkey's enthusiastic approach to life is. Sometimes we're a bit like Shrek. We've got a lot in the chaos of the deep within us. And so today we're going to look at a survival kit. How do we deal with shame? How do we live our lives not dictated by the chaos of the deep within us, but of liberation and freedom? But first we need to look at what is the shame? What are the words within us? that have helped keep us from living free. So a TED Talk is gonna help us explore a bit of what shame looks like. I don't think the world understands that because of shame. There's a great quote that saved me this past year by Theodore Roosevelt. Um, a lot of people refer to it as the man in the arena quote. And it goes like this, it is not the critic who counts. It is not the man who sits and points out how the doer of deeds could have done things better and how he falls and stumbles, the credit goes to the man in the arena whose face is marred with dust and blood and sweat. But when he's in the arena at best, he wins and at worst he loses. But when he fails, when he loses, he does so daring greatly. And that's what this conference to me is about. That's what life is about, about daring greatly, about being in the arena. When you walk up to that arena and you put your hand on the door and you think, I'm going in and I'm going to try this, shame is the gremlin who says, uh-uh, you're not good enough. You never finished that MBA. Your wife left you. I know your dad really wasn't in Luxembourg. He was in Sing Sing. I know you, there's things that happened to you growing up. I know you don't think that you're pretty enough or smart enough or talented enough or powerful enough. I know your dad never paid attention, even when you made CFO. Shame is that thing. And then if we can quiet it down and walk in and say, I'm going to do this, we look up and the critic that we see pointing and laughing 99% of the time is who? Us. Shame drives two big tapes, never good enough. And if you can talk it out of that one, who do you think you are? The thing to understand about shame is it's not guilt. 
Shame is a focus on self. Guilt is a focus on behavior. Shame is I am bad. Guilt is I did something bad. How many of you, if you did something that was hurtful to me, would be willing to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake? How many of you would be willing to say that? Guilt. I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Shame. I'm sorry, I am a mistake. There is a huge difference between shame and guilt. And here's what you need to know. Shame is highly, highly correlated with addiction, depression, violence, aggression, bullying, suicide, eating disorders. And here's what you even need to know more. Guilt, inversely correlated with those things. The ability to hold something we've done or failed to do up against who we want to be is incredibly adaptive. It's uncomfortable, but it's adaptive. The other thing you need to know about shame is it's absolutely organized by gender. If shame washes over me and washes over Chris, it's going to feel the same. Everyone sitting in here knows the warm wash of shame. We're pretty sure that the only people who don't experience shame are people who have no capacity for connection or empathy. Which means, yes, I have a little shame, no, I'm a sociopath. So I would opt for, yes, you have a little shame. Shame feels the same for men and women, but it's organized by gender. For women, the best example I can give you is Anjali, the commercial. I can put the wash on the line, pack the lunches, hand out the kisses, and be work at five to nine. I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in the pan, and never let you forget you're a man. For women, shame is do it all, do it perfectly, and never let them see you sweat. I don't know how much perfume that commercial sold, but I guarantee you it moved a lot of antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds. <laughs> shame for women is this web of unattainable, conflicting, competing expectations about who we're supposed to be. And it's a straitjacket. For men, shame is not a bunch of competing, conflicting expectations. Shame is one. Do not be perceived as what? Weak. These are the cultural messages that we hear that speak to how we live our lives and are sometimes what we tell ourselves, the I am statements, that I, I can't be weak, that I'm not good enough. I imagine all of us in this room have had times where we've played that tape in our minds. If we use the onion analogy from Shrek, that ogres are like onions, many layers, we too have many layers. And as we peel down the layers of our soul, we see that there are different statements, different phrases that we, our biggest critic, or others, have put there. Failure, disgust, embarrassment, hideous, humiliation, self-loathing, and more. We visit these so often. When something happens or we fail, these tapes just come right back out and replay over in our minds, don't they? And so we hide, like Shrek. We don't want anyone to know that dirty little secret that we have. We don't want anyone to know what lies beneath. And so we, like Fiona in Shrek, who lives in a tower, we sometimes put up towers around us. Towers that will keep people out, but also that will keep us and our shame 
together. I wonder what your towers are. What are the words, what are the experiences, what are the things, the walls that have been put up or that you've put up around your soul? What are they and what do they say? The existence of shame was never part of the plan. Never part of God's good design. His plan was for wholeness, for connection with him, being close to the Father and having a strong sense of self and worth. However, our ancestry, the beginning, Adam and Eve chose to define themselves apart from God. And when they made that decision, that's when shame and embarrassment entered the world and they hid from God. They were disgraced and they hid from the one who was not hiding from them, who created them for something better. But they tried to do a plan and define themselves away from God and they hid. And we find ourselves doing that too. If we think of grace as undeserved favour, unearned forgiveness, then we can also think of what ungrace can look like, the opposite of that. It's been described that ungrace can work quietly and lethally, like a poisonous and undetectable gas within us. The ungrace, unforgiveness, the prison we put ourselves up one by one create more prison bars. And we find ourselves there, and it keeps us from living free. It keeps us imprisoned with the familiar words and mantras and shame prevents us from being able to live freely. And sometimes we find ourselves like Shrek, like the ogre, the ogre perception that the world has deemed me unlovable. Deep down, I know what I'm really like. If anyone else knew, they wouldn't love me anymore. It measures us for what we aren't and what we don't have. And the more that we do that, the more it feeds the ogre loneliness, the ogre shame, the ogre fear. This was never part of the plan for you and for me. In the book of Galatians, we hear about how the laws of the Torah, these being the first five books in the Bible, you can find them there, were designed by God for people to live well, to live close to him, to know him. However, as good as these were, Israel could not live that way. The people of God could not live free and by those good laws. And so Jesus came to fulfill them, but also to offer a way to live in freedom that God had always designed from the start. Paul is the writer, and like us, is always wrestling with the things he wanted to do, but found himself doing the opposite. He found himself doing the things he didn't want to do instead of the good. And we find ourselves doing that sometimes too. So let's see what this passage might say to us today, being raw before God, coming as you are today with all that you are and all that's within you to see what he might want to say. I'm going to read Galatians chapter 5, verses 12 to 18. As for those agitators, Paul speaking to the church, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate, weaken themselves. 
You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Let's capture this phrase, if you are led by the Spirit. Paul could be saying to us too that we are not under the law anymore. We don't have to be under shame anymore. We don't have to be under our deep feelings of inadequacy anymore. We don't have to be under that secret sorrow anymore. We don't have to live under the things that we have done or experience that we aren't proud of. We have a choice, an opportunity, as we always do with God. We can choose to keep living with shame. We can choose to keep having those tapes play over and over and steal life and keep us in our ogre swamp. Or there is another way, another way that God has in mind for us to live free. In Shrek, we see that donkey, ironically, is part of Shrek's liberation. It is donkey who says, when I first met you, I didn't think you were this big, stupid, ugly ogre. It is donkey who later on says, he is not done with Shrek yet. He is not finished with him yet. It is donkey who has this persistent belief in Shrek, this persistent voice of perspective and reason and truth for Shrek that ends up saving Shrek. Not Fiona. It's not your classic love story. It's the unlikely in Donkey who rescues Shrek. Shrek paints a better vision, Shrek, of who he is designed to be but also what his life could be. He doesn't let Shrek stay where he is. He moves him towards change. He moves him towards forward. For us, we know that the old ways, the old things that have kept us captive aren't working. Although they're familiar and maybe like a familiar friend, we know that those thought patterns don't work. We know that those feelings of inadequacy don't work. And we know that's why we're not living free. The amazing thing is, is that our previous mistakes, our failures, things spoken over us, are not against us anymore. They don't have to be against us anymore. We have the opportunity with God for a new start, a better vision for our lives, a different way to live. We have the chaos of the deep within us. We have the opportunity to have God actually come to that place and to transform us from the inside out. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 15 to 21 
speaks to the fact that God doesn't hold anything against us anymore. It says, And he, Jesus, died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, this is the bit, anyone, anyone is in Christ. The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Today, the old is gone. Everything. Our failures, our mistakes, things said over us, perhaps said to us that we're not lovable. The old is gone. The new is here today. God has something different for you. God has a better vision for you. Jesus knew you would be weary, disturbed, angry. He knew you'd be sleepy, grief-stricken and hungry. He knew you'd face pain. If not pain in the body, pain of the soul. Pain too sharp for any drug. He knew you'd face thirst, if not a thirst for water, at least a thirst for truth. And the truth we gleam from the image of thirsty Christ is this. He understands. Love liberated Shrek. Donkey liberated Shrek. I'm not done with you yet, Shrek. And that's what God's message is for some of us here today. God is not through with you yet. God has not finished with you yet. He's only just beginning with your life. And he has a better vision for your life than anything that has been told to you before, anything you can imagine. The power of the gospel is that our lives can be different. That everything can be healed. Everything can be redeemed. That God doesn't count our sins against us. We do. We count so much against ourselves. God doesn't count a thing against you. He made himself carry the brokenness, the shame of the world, that we might become right with God. We might become good again. Shame can feel like our truth, can feel like that's the only way I can live. But the gospel tells us something else, that Christ has a different way and different truth for us to live. Today, it is different, and it can be different. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. 
Today, you can walk away from the old, from the shame, the embarrassment, the failures, because God is doing something new in you. God is doing something different today. Jesus is offering you a fresh start, an absolute clean slate with no blotches, a clean start. Today, we have opportunity to become close with God again. We don't have to hide anything. The door is open. Like at the beginning, he never hid from Adam and Eve. He never hides from us. He's always available for a new start. And God is not ashamed of you. When you admit your wrongs to him, he's not ashamed. He's not afraid. He has something to work with then and can actually do something really incredible with your life. So, for us, we can now start to replace some of those old thought patterns, those old truths with new ones. God is not finished with you yet. You are a child of God. There is no sin against you that you were called to live free. And you can be free. Self-forgiveness is an antidote to shame. If we allow ourselves to forgive ourselves, that is a healing balm. That is powerful and can do a lot of good. We have the opportunity to not be so layered that we forget our feelings, that we bury them. Instead, we can peel them off one by one. And although we're maybe scared of what is beneath, we know that God isn't afraid at all. And it is absolutely an opportunity for the new, for something good to come out of something not good. I'm going to invite the band up now because in a moment, you're going to have an opportunity to actually let your soul start to proclaim this through singing again, Amazing Grace, my chains are gone. Right now is a moment to change your life forever to no longer be a slave to your shame, to no longer be a slave to fear, to the past, but to live in the freedom that God offers you. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. How are you going to live it? We can live it freely. Let's sing this song and really allow it to be from your soul. Sing these words knowing that they are 100% true and can change us from the inside out.